with me the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel, where's that? Well, you go to Isaiah and then Jeremiah and then Ezekiel. Kind of, there's a couple little ones in there, but Ezekiel 16 is where we're going. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever thought about some of the things that have called or, or caused humans' downfall in the Bible? Some of the things they did to cause them to stumble, and some of it's very interesting to me, and uh, some of those are like Eve. Eve was made to stumble because of what? Food. Food got oh Eve. Noah, he stumbled because of wine. One of the reasons the Israelites stumbled was because of food. Uh, Isaac, remember before he gave the blessing to his oldest son, Esau, he said to him, go bring me savory food. And Esau, on the flip side, he sold his birthright to his younger brother Jacob because of food. And so it's interesting throughout the Bible. And so the reason I'm talking about that is you've been here the last few weeks. We've been talking about fasting and praying. Here with the church, we've gone on a 21-day fast. You ones who are fasting, man, I applaud you. You've, you've been 14 days, so you're, you're two-thirds of the way to go. You got another week until you can drink some coffee, okay? You got another week till you can eat those chips and salsa. You got, well, see, I'm preaching to myself. Everything I'm telling you, that's me right now. Those are the things that pastor is craving. But, hallelujah. It's been good. I've really enjoyed doing this. And so we're seeing some things happen. So don't give up yet. I believe this, guys, that when we fast, it's one of the greatest physical disciplines we can do. Actually, it begins to crucify our body. And say, so, you know what? I, I don't have to be dependent on all this stuff. Also, fasting is a way that will get us into more of an intimate relationship with God. It helps me distinguish more between what I want and what I need. And so God starts cutting away some of the fat off me. Okay, here we are, Ezekiel chapter 16. And in this passage, I'm just going to read a couple verses here. But I want you to see the downfall of the people of a region called Sodom. Sodom, okay? Verse 48. As I live, says the Lord God, neither your sister Sodom nor her daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity or the sin of your sister Sodom. This was their downfall. She and her daughter had pride. Had pride. One of the definitions of pride is an arrogance. What would be the arrogance about? Well, the pride that comes up as human beings when we say, basically, I don't need you, Father God. Now, who was the originator of pride? That was a man named, or a spiritual being named Lucifer, which is better known as the devil or Satan. Remember when he was in the heavenlies with Father God, he rose up in pride. And because of pride, God booted him out. And so I think that when we get over and we act as prideful as human beings, there becomes a, a stench off of us toward Father God. Because that was birthed out of no other one than the devil himself. Now you can look in scripture, and I've looked over and over. The only time I ever see that Father God rejects men is for pride. I don't see anywhere that God rejects the, the, the liar, the thief. But in, in 1 Peter 5 it says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so if you get over and you've got that mindset, well, I don't need God. 
you have become prideful and you have let off an imposing or a, a fragrance that is very uh, ugly to Father God. So that was the first thing I want you to see there was pride. And I think that was the root of a lot of their problems. The second thing they said was fullness of food. That caused them to stumble. They were abundantly overfed. You know, can, can food cause us to stumble? Well, I look right here and what I said earlier about all the different people. And so when food begins to dictate, dictate situations in my life, man, I better start looking. And, and, and what I want us to understand here today, what dictates your life as far as food or a beverage that has a stronghold on you? You know, how many of you ever, and I, this may be you, how many of you ever heard people say, my, my day is a wreck if I don't start with a cup of coffee? You know, if I don't get that glass of orange juice, I'm going to be cranky all day. So you're telling me your joy is based off of a cup of orange juice? And see, we could go around the room, and so I, I believe this is one of the benefits of us fasting, that we say, you know what? I'm not going to dictate, be dictated by that. God's not against us drinking coffee. He's just against it when it becomes where it dominates us. And so one of the first things he says here was they were overfed. The second thing he says, and they had an abundance of idleness. An abundance of idleness. Now, think about this in your life. When you have idleness in your life, you know what it normally leads to? I normally become careless, and then I get into trouble. I, I think back in my days when I was in school and summer break would come around. You had a lot of idle time. You know what the, the thing that would happen would be manifested with idleness in my life was? I'd get in trouble. And so right here, because they wasted their time with idleness, I believe he's telling us here, they didn't seek God. They didn't pursue God. They did not pray. And it got them. The last one here. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor or the needy. And so it's talking about they quit giving. They quit being concerned about other people. Now, if you'll notice basically the three things that he talked about there that were the downfall, he, he, he said that they overate, they basically did not pray, and they did not give. Now, if you've been here for the last few weeks, one of the main topics or scripture verses we use was Matthew 6. Jesus listed in there three characteristics that should be evident in a believer's life, and it was giving praying, and fasting. So you can go back and you can look over and over in Scripture. Many times, humanity has failed because we've gotten entrapped in not doing the things that Father God tells us. So I wanted to clear today. Being a believer is more than walking down this aisle and saying a 30-second prayer. That's the beginning step. That's where you meet Jesus and say, Lord, I need you in my life. But he expects more of us out of th than this. Now go with me into the New Testament here. I don't know, let's, let's first go to Isaiah. Let's go to our main topic here, our main scripture, Isaiah 58. Let's go there first. And so they didn't pray, they didn't fast. They didn't give, they just quit. 
should, should encourage us, should stir us up to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be a doer of the word. Isaiah 58, let's begin in verse number 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the press go free, and that you break every yoke. And listen, because I believe with all my heart God's wanting to do that. I'm telling you, those right there are some amen. Those are some shouting verse, or shouting lines and sentences to me. But I want us to get in a little deeper here today. Look at verse number 7. This, and, and I want you to highlight, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. And when you see the naked that you cover him... And that you not hide yourself from your own flesh or from the needs of your own flesh. And so we can look at fasting. And I begin to look at this verse and it becomes very clear that fasting is a lot more than going without food. It says we're to feed the hungry. We're to clothe the naked. We're to give a place of refuge for the homeless. And we're to take care of our, only fa our family's needs. And when I look at this verse right here, you know what it says to me? Life is more than about you. Life is more than about me. And I believe the Lord here, even through fasting, He says, I want to get your eyes off of how selfish you are. And you know, this is what's going to happen today. Your eyes are going to be open through this. And it's interesting in verse 7, that if... We fast truly like God asks us to. Then we become offensive when we don't do what he says right here. And not one time in this verse did it say, if they deserve it, you do it for them. This is what he expects. And when we fulfill this verse right here, look what happens in verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteous shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call on the Lord and He will answer. You shall cry and He will say, here I am. And you know what? I can stand on verse 8 and say, man, my light is fixing to bust forth. My healing's fixing to happen speedily. I got news for you. If you're not obeying verse 7, then in verse 8 it's never going to happen. Now, last week we looked at one of the if factors. And the if factor was there. If we got rid of unforgiveness in our heart, resentment, then God would lose some things. I want you to look at the start of verse 10. And it's another if factor here. And it says, if you extend your soul to the hungry. Look at this. And satisfy the afflicted soul. Then. Then, but first of all, he said, you got to give yourself to the hungry. And you got to give yourself to the oppressed, hurting people. And so right here, many times, each one of our mottos have been, I got my eyes on me. My eyes are always on me. And so right here at the start of verse 10, I believe the Lord's telling us again here, don't be consumed with me. Everything can't be about me. I'm always on my mind. I'm telling you here today, the Lord is saying to us through these verses, I got to fight against self-centeredness, and I got to fight against being, being selfish. That my life is more than just about me, 
And so to do that, I'm going to have to die to myself. I can't be first all the time. And when I fulfill the if in verse 10, look what happens. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness. And your darkness shall be in the noonday. And oh, verse 11, the Lord will guide you, satisfy you, and strengthen you. See, I think the Lord is telling us, guys, beyond fasting and just going out with food, it's me and you beginning to live a lifestyle of giving. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to look to other people. And I'm not talking about a giving that just tells you to bring your tithes and your offerings to church. And I'm not talking about a giving that says i got to meet a certain quota or i got to meet some requirements. I'm talking about a giver where I understand I'm a dispenser of what God's given me. I'm a dispenser of the love of heaven. Look with me in the New Testament out, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, and I believe we need to break the addiction of not only for food, but a selfish, self-centered lifestyle. Matthew 25 is where I'm going, and as you're turning there, if you think back into the Old Testament, Father God had said to Abraham in Genesis 12, he said, listen, Abe, if you'll do what I tell you, I want to bless you, I want to multiply you, I want to make your name great. And the last blessing, he said, is I want to bless you to be a blessing. I didn't bless you just for you. I want to bless you so you can be a blessing. And so for Abraham to walk in those blessings, he had to obey God. Now, obedience is more than just me doing it. Okay? Abraham had to step out in faith. He had to believe and he had to trust God that God would do exactly what he said. So my obedience, guys, is not only my actions. My obedience comes when, man, i got to get this stuff in my heart. i got to get the word in my heart. And when you get the word in your heart, you clamp down on it. you got that bulldog faith. What's that? You don't let go. You look and you get in your heart and you say, this is what the word of God said. And this is what's going to happen. And so when you study Abraham's life... He had to leave a bunch of things. But God blessed him. God blessed him and he became a great blessing. I believe God's wanting to do that for us. One's right here in this room if we'll just hook up with him. Genesis 25. Let's start in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left hand. Now, i tell you, when that day comes, we're all going to be gathered there. And the right hand is going to be all the sheep, and all the left hand is going to be the goats. I'm going to give you a huge revelation today. You know what the difference between a goat and a sheep is? Sheep walk around and say, bah. Goats walk around and say, but, but, but. Huge revelation, wasn't it? There's some truth in that. So many times in our lives, we live by the buts. But, but, but. And as children, me and my brother, I used to always say this. If if and buts were candy and nuts, what a Merry Christmas we'd have. And so if I keep living by the buts of life, guys, I'm going to end up a goat. 
And that's not a good thing here when you read this passage. Now let's go on here a little bit farther. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, the sheep, Woo, come you blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now what's the condition for me being under that blessing right there? Well, verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous, the sheep, will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, As surely I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And when we look at the word, you did it to the least of these, this means that this was in the estimation of man. That God doesn't look at us as one of us better than the other. God doesn't go down the mile and say, any, many, money, mo. God doesn't do that. See, humanity has done that. We've placed degrees of, of difference on people because of their, their income, because of their looks, even because of the color of skin. But God didn't do that. And so God says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it as to me. So if I've never done anything for anybody else, I've never done anything for Jesus. Oh my gosh, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. And so I look at this in my own life, guys. And periodically the Lord will take me back into time just to yank the slack out of me. And so for 18 years of my life, I worked for a utility company. And so all the work that I did was in the alleys. I get in the alleys every day. And you know who's in the alleys? Some of your city's finest that have nothing. That have nothing. I remember days working and hearing noise and turn around and look and literally seeing men and women crawling out of dumpsters to eat. And it really began to move me. And there were winos and homeless. And I remember one day the Lord said to my heart, He said, You can never tell people about Jesus. Until you show them they care first. If they don't know that you care, they'll never know about me. And so I remember I, I would begin to buy bags of fruit. And I would see these guys and ladies. And they had the very smell on them that Jesus died for. What was that smell? Well, it was called leave me alone cologne. The smell of trash and dumpsters. The smell of urine all over them. And I remember the Lord saying to me, I died for that smell. I died for that look. The least of these, these ones that if they died today, who would even know? Who would even care? And the Lord has brought me back there this week. And one of the definitions of compassion is to feel what they feel. And I think so many times as Christians, we're too busy 
talking about all we got to do. And, you know, being a Christian, guys, isn't having a Jesus bumper sticker. It's not having a cross around my neck. And I said in the first service, it's, it's not me having ten different Bibles, and every Bible I have a different color marker. And my Bible's all marked up because I want to impress you guys. It's not what he's talking about. And I remember one day specifically, that as I was going down the alley, I looked and it was, it was bitter cold that day. And the guy was walking down and he could tell he had, he was having a hard time even walking. And I looked at him and the gloves he had, there was no fingers. Of course, I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm in a truck that has a heater. And so I just stopped and I opened the door and told him, get in. Get in. And when he got in, the smell that came with him. And once again, Jesus said, I died for that smell. And he had nothing. And I had some apples and I gave them to him. And he said, let me off up here. I'm warm now. And I remember when he got out, he said specifically, thank you. And I looked and I said, if it only takes a heater and two apples, I can do that, Lord. And I never really forget those things that happened in those days. And what happens now? I don't get around the world like that. And it bothers me. Those were some of the greatest days of my life because I was blessed to be a blessing. And when I would drive by, there was a home they lived in. It wouldn't even be called a home. It had nothing, no heat, no running water. But I could go by and I could toot my horn and they would jump up and they would wave. And I'd get so blessed. And this is what Jesus is talking about. That when we do it to the least of these. See, this is a different side of fasting. And I believe the fast that Jesus is saying is cut the junk off in your life where we're so selfish. Keep reading. Then he will also to say to those on the left hand, the goats, depart from me, cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And I want you to note here how he defines the goats. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in and naked. And you did not clothe me and sick and in prison. And you did not visit me. Then they, the goats, also will answer him saying, Lord. I want you to stop just a minute here. And they answered him and said, Lord. They said, Master. You know what that tells me? These were human beings that thought they were born again. They confessed Him out of their mouth, but they did not live for Him. So once again, you know, listen guys, when we get over and we live off of, well, I say this prayer one day, and I think I don't have to do anything else for God. We better pay attention to the Scriptures here. Because look what ends up happening here to these goats. And he said, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I'm down in verse 44. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison? And you did not minister to you. Then he will answer them saying, And surely I say to you, Inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment. Uh-oh. See, that takes a whole different, different insight to this. Well, I'm not interested in people. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I'm too busy for others. And what about me? What about me? You know, many times in the passages of scriptures, the Bible will specifically say that Jesus was on his way somewhere and he stood still. And I recall one of the blind men who begin to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and he began to cry out louder and louder. And the people told him to shut up. And the Bible says specifically, and Jesus stood still. And you know what? I think that means that he stood still was, I'm on my way here, but I'm never too busy for people. Uh-oh. Go over to the book of John chapter 13. See, when we serve others, guys, we're actually serving Jesus. And it's not about me. And it's hard for me to see others when my eyes are always on me. And I believe, you know what, the Lord is saying through all this, we must learn to live to give. How do I grow? It's growing by sowing into other people. And to, to sow into other people, I cannot be need-oriented. I must be seed-oriented. In other words, it's not always about me. It's not about me. Jesus is going to give us a great illustration here. John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world, be crucified and die to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end, to the last and highest degree. Listen, guys, even till Jesus' last day on this earth, he didn't quit. He didn't just go through the motions. And supper being ended, the devil having been put to the heart of or being put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things in his hand, and he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. To wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now verse 5. You know what has written all over it? Humility. It has a heart of a servant. It has this on here. I'm not too good for that. I'm not too good for that. See, to be a servant, it's not a put down to do these things. It's a put up. I go to higher levels when I become a servant. Actually, Matthew 10 says this, that the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant. In Matthew 10, Jesus himself said, uh, I didn't come to be served. I come to serve. And that statement right there alone says, my life to come to this earth was not about me. It was about others. So Jesus here begins to wash his disciples' feet. Verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? 
And Jesus answered and said to him, What I'm doing to you, do not understand now, but you will know after this. I think he's talking about the humility that you're going to come under. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Why would Jesus say that to him? Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, you've got to learn to receive. Because you don't give away what you don't have. And the Bible's very clear that freely we receive, freely we give. And so Jesus is telling Peter, you might as well receive this from me, buddy, because this is what's going to be coming of you, too. Keep reading here, verse 9. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands, my head. And Jesus said to him, he was bathed needs only to wash his feet. But it's completely clean, and you're clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, and he was talking about Judas Iscariot. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet. I stopped there because there's a word in there that will get your attention. When he had washed their feet. The disciples' feet. And you know which one of them's feet he washed also? Was the very one he knew was going to betray him. Named Judas. And you know what it showed me with Jesus? Even though he knew in his heart this one would wrong him. He still said, I'll serve you. I look at that and I think that may be the greatest degree of servanthood right there. When you do good to those who despitefully use you. When you bless those who curse you. Is that easy to do, pastor? No. Do you have that mastered? No. But I realize, you know what? i got to take on the heart of Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help me. So he washed all their feet. And he took his garment and sat down again. And he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say so. Well, for so I am. There's, there's greatness in that verse. You call me teacher and Lord. You call me teacher and Lord. But verse 14, he's going to tell us, boys, there's more than just calling me Lord. Look what he says. If I then your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You're talking about humility. For, if I have, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most surely I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you practice them. Interesting, huh? A true servanthood, guys, it's not my, my, beneath my dignity to, to perform the lowest task. That's not beneath my dignity. If I really want to live like Jesus, go over to John 21. You know the definition of a servant? It's a disposition of my heart, but is expressed in my actions. A disposition in my heart that's, that's expressed through my actions. You know, this afternoon, um, my wife right now is in Juarez. This afternoon after the service, I'm going over there. 
got some things that have happened in the orphanage. And so, you know, the, the past years that I go down to the orphanage, most of the times when I go down there, if you've ever been down there, the, the playground, just their land because of all the dirt, you, you, you'll ruin shoes. You'll ruin stuff you have. And so, man, I'll take a few of my sorry pair of shoes. And those children down there, because my foot size is so small, most of those kids' shoes, they'll fit them. Or my foot will fit them. And so most of the time they say to me, they want my shoes. And so I give them my shoes. I give them every pair I have. Do you know what I figured out in that? I was giving them those things, but it wasn't my best. You know what those shoes were to me? Those were my lawn mowing shoes. I wasn't going to miss them a bit. My point in saying that is, what would happen if we would begin to go into our closets or our homes and not look for things that we never wear or not look for things that are not of value to us anymore, but we go in there and get our best pair of shoes, our best clothes. And even right here, we walk in here today and we have the mentality, Lord, I want to bless somebody today. I want to bless someone today. How many ever has, has God ever moved on your heart and told you to do certain things when you come to church? And when you obey a man, you get so blessed, you're like, yes, yes. That's been happening to me. Things like that. But going to the orphanage, guys, I want to bless those kids today. You know what? I'm going I'm to take things, you know, a couple months ago. And I'm not saying this to pat me and Shelly on the back. But those kids over there, I've never seen one of them unappreciative of anything you give them. Anything. Even my old lawn mowing shoes. But if you ever buy them a gift, a new shirt, please leave the tag on there. Because the times I've left the tag on there, I saw a, a glitter in their eye like, this is brand new. This is brand new. And to someone in their life who's always been given hand-me-downs, a, a, a shirt. And so a few, a few months back, Dillard's was having a credible sale. We went in there, we got so blessed. We found racks of $6 brand new shirts. And we've left every tag on them. And we're going to deliver those. And I get the joy of watching. And I'm telling us this, guys, that maybe you're not going to war as today. But what would happen if we had that mindset in our church? What if we had that mindset when we went to work? Just blessed to be a blessing. I like, guys, I like to put money in my pocket when I come to church. And I'm not saying this to bless me. I'm just giving you things that the Lord has stirred up in me. And the Lord will lead me to people. And a lot of times I'll come in here and I'll say, Father God, I know someone needs to be blessed today. And I'll just watch and I'll listen. And the Lord will begin to bless me, begin to bless me, begin to bless me. And I told one of the, the ladies in the first service that story. And she said, Pastor, I don't know that many people in the church, but I want you to bless them. I want you to bless the orphans. And so today, Pastor's got all kinds of money. He got all kinds of money. Hallelujah. You know why? That's because we're blessed to be a blessing. 
It's not just about me. Now, I'm going to read you one more passage here. And I want you to hang in here with me when we start reading this, because I'm going somewhere. You're getting ready to get blessed. John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. He's raised from the dead, what it's talking about. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got in the boat that night and they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children or boys, have you got any food? Now when I read that, my thought is right there, man, Jesus must have been hungry. Just to keep that thought. Boys, you got any food? And they answered him, no. So he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast... And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. You want a little, a little nugget right there? It pays to always obey Jesus. Even in the little things, the minor things. How about this? Even when it doesn't make sense. And the reason I say that these guys were fishermen by occupation. They knew how to fish. And here's this guy on the shore who yells out, put it down on the right side and you'll catch some fish. Now I wonder, you know, Peter was notorious for putting his foot in his mouth and I'm wondering if he said, who's that knucklehead think he is? But yet it pays to obey. Something happens when we obey. Verse 6. Sorry, I read that. Verse 7. Therefore that the people whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Peter just dives in. He starts swimming to the shore. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Huh, how'd that happen? And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full, in the, or full of the large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. And you say, what's the big deal about that? I want you to think about this. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. Within the last week or so... He was beaten physically as bad as you could be beaten, beyond recognition. He was placed a crown of thorns upon his head. They jabbed a spear into his side. They, they caused him to die the most horrific death you could die, that of crucifixions, the nails in his hands and his feet, and then he literally suffocated. After that, he goes to hell for three days and nights. He takes on every form of darkness. After that, he rises from the grave. The minute that Jesus rises from the grave, you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't go to the Bahamas to kick back. You know what he does do? He goes on a search for these men he loved. He goes on a search for these men he loved. And when he finds them, their need at that moment was he asked them, Do you got any food? And they said, no. 
And so you know what Jesus did? Their need of the moment was someone to fix them breakfast. And it wasn't beneath Jesus' dignity to be the cook to feed them breakfast. And my highlight on this is this. This isn't big or fancy religion. This is everyday life. That the people I'm around them, even if it's as, as Manil, or oh, I'm going to get next step. Help me. Give me a word. Manil. I speak for a living. It wasn't still beneath his dignity. It still wasn't beneath his dignity. He said, if that's what their need is, that's what I'll do. And so many times in our life, we're thinking it's these big things we got to do. It's the little things that make people feel big. And you can begin to see this in your life. And if I just open my eyes, there's little things constantly. Whether it's a hello to someone, whether it's a thank you, whether it's a word of encouragement. But here's the blessing to you. When you begin to walk in this kind of life, your light is going to break forth. Your healing will come speedily. The Lord will conduct you to peace and prosperity. Why? So I can be a bigger blessing. I can be a bigger blessing. And I believe that's what God's wanting us to do for each one of us. See, this is beyond just fasting. And when I fast, you know what that's doing? That's doing something that's not ordinary. But I believe that God not only wants us to not just fast food, I believe God wants us to fast where we begin to do stuff with our actions that isn't always just ordinary. In other words, I go on the prowl looking for somebody to bless. Just looking for someone to bless. And then I do it. And then I do it. You know what I realize? The clothes I have, they're just temporary. I'm not going to have these forever. The clone you wear, it's just temporary. The watch you have, just temporary. And you know what I realize? If I give, God's going to bless me anyhow. He's going to bless us. How many of you have ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? Never seen it. Never seen it. Oh, one time. I did four funerals in the month of November. I never saw a U-Haul behind the hearse. Hey, what's what you got in that U-Haul? Oh, that's all daddy's possessions. He thinks he's taking them to heaven. Well, I got news for you. You're not. You're not. Nothing you have can compare to heaven. The streets up there are that are gold. So your little $200 bank, it ain't going to matter. So you know what we might as well do? We might as well get happy and say, Oh, Lord, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Stand on your feet with me. Stand up with me today. I hope this moved you. It has moved me. Golly, it has moved me. It has enriched me incredibly. Just incredibly. Just stirred me back up. For fasting is this. This is the fast that God has set. The fast that God has chosen. So I encourage you, man. Begin to say, you know what? I'm a, I'm a dispenser. I'm a dispenser. I had a guy not long ago, and he, he used the suit of mine. He said, man, Pastor, I really like that suit. I said, well, just keep it. And he looked at me and he said, what would you say? I said, just keep it. 
It's just a suit. It just hangs up in my closet when I'm not wearing it. Just keep it. And so I look at that and I think, why don't we have that heartbeat all the time? Just, who cares? Here you go. Here you go. You like my shoes? Well, here if they fit, you can have them too. I don't care. God will bring me more shoes. See, whatever I have. And see, I think that's the heart that Jesus wants us to have. Bow your head with me.